in Parashat Mas'ayat, there is one of the famous halachot of the Torah, the halacha of Aren Miklat. As you know, Parashat Mas'ayat talks about the halacha of Ir Miklat. Of course, you know, talking about a person who kills because he wasn't careful, he didn't do it on purpose, but at the same time he was negligent. Being that he wasn't careful, the Torah tells him he needs to go to Ir Miklat. He needs to go to a city of refuge. And the Torah says over here, They save him from the Goel Adam, meaning the relatives that want to take revenge. So the Beddin saves him. They send him to the city of refuge. Over there he's safe. And he will live there. How long does he have to stay there? Until the death of the Kohen Gadol of the time. As you know, there's only one Kohen Gadol. Whenever he dies, that's when this guy leaves. The Kohen Gadol that was anointed with the oil, there's a certain oil that they anoint great people with. This Kohen Gadol that was anointed is going to have to die before this guy gets out. So he's there, a sentence that has no specific time, dependent on the Kohen Gadol. So there's a few different issues with this halakha. I'd like to just point out a couple of them. One is, you know, this is not a great, we'll call it not a great position to be in. You're a Kohen Gadol. No. You have people, basically, you know how they have, they have, they open up the Heli Jats? No, no, they open the Elim chats and they ask for people to have Rifuash Lema. They have people praying for different issues. Well, basically, this, this, this person and his entire family and all his friends and the people in the city, all those who miss him, his rabbis, they open up a, a Elim chat and they're basically praying for him like to go back home. But there's only one way to go back home. Right? So, so you have an entire city praying for the death of the Kohen Gadol. Maybe not directly, but indirectly, that's what's happening. And not one guy. You have whoever is, there's 48 of these cities. So, whoever is stuck in this predicament is all praying, basically, to get out and for the death of the Kohen Gadol. So, what did the Kohen Gadol do? to deserve such a, uh, such a situation in his life? That's a question. As I'll tell us an interesting thing. They say that Kohen Gadol, is, he's the spiritual leader of the Jewish people. Like the Pasuk over here says, you were the one that got 
the special oil. I didn't get the special oil. You don't get the special oil. But this man, he got a privilege. He was given the oil to anoint him, which means it's the oil that shows that you are something special. You're a gadol. He was given a privilege to be the Kohen Gadol. He was put on a pedestal to be the Kohen Gadol. In fact, the Pasuk, like I said, mentions it. It doesn't just say, until the death of the Kohen Gadol. Who is the Kohen Gadol? The one that was anointed with the oil, the holy oil. So you, the Kohen Gadol, are not doing a good enough job. Because you, part of your job is to pray, Hazal tell us, you're supposed to pray for the people. And if this is happening in the Jewish nation, I guess you're not praying hard enough. And therefore you bear responsibility, or at least not full responsibility, but you bear some responsibility for this murder that happened in the Jewish nation. Could you imagine the Kohen Gadol never met the guy, doesn't know the guy, never heard of him. He, what does he have to do with somebody who doesn't even live in his town? He has no shaykhut to him at all. But yet, since he was given a high position of leadership, the Torah says, it's your responsibility when something goes wrong in the Jewish nation, even though you are not directly involved. Because your responsibility gives you that, that, uh, that the, the necessity to be praying and prayer would be able to help in such a situation. Meaning, prayer not necessarily can help people being more careful. That's not what prayer would do. Let me be clear about that. No matter how much you pray, no matter how much the going at local pray, people still have free choice. If a guy wants to drive 100 miles per hour down a side street, no prayer in the world is going to be able to affect that. Because people have free choice. At the end of the day, everybody, your children, my children, anybody that we pray for has free choice. But that they should drive down the street and end up killing somebody, that's not free choice. And the fact that somebody got killed means that Hashem allowed that act to produce something terrible. So I don't know if the for faulting the Kohen Gadol for the person that was reckless, but we are faulting him that during his tenure, people are getting killed for no reason. Or at least from our perspective, in a tragic way. So therefore we say to him, you bear responsibility, and therefore you are going to be the target of these tefillot. Now, by the way, perhaps that's the midah keneged midah. I'm just thinking, maybe that's measure for measure. Meaning, you didn't pray for the people. So, they're gonna, your, the tefillah is going to come against you. But bottom line is, bottom line is, you see from here something very close to home. We're not the Kohen Gadol. But you see from here, that anybody who is given a position of responsibility for somebody else, be it a parent, be it a rabbi, be it a teacher, 
Anybody who is given responsibility, when they pour on you the oil for a certain position in your life, they made you a father, they made you a leader, you have a responsibility to the people that you're leading. And one of those responsibilities is tefillah. You need to pray for the people that are under your wing. So you got to pray for your children because they're your responsibility. Anyone that you've been given the responsibility for, it becomes automatic an obligation to pray for them because that's the job of a responsible person. That's what we see by the Kohen Adol. And so the recommendation is that each person, like the Mishnah Berurah says, the Hafez Haim writes, that a person should every day be praying for the success of his children. The success spiritually, the success physically, in every way. A person should take a little bit of time during his tefillah, during the Amidah, maybe at the end of the Amidah, before say Shalom, that a person should take each one of his children by name and pray for something or more than something that they need, one by one. To say, why my children over somebody else's children? Answer is because you were given that responsibility. And your tefillot for the people that you're responsible for have a tremendous power. That's what it sounds like. Your, your tefillot can have tremendous effect on the people that are under you. It's part of why they made you their leader. Part of your job is to pray for them. That is part of your assignment. And therefore, every time a person has an opportunity to pray for his children or for his students, if you have the zikhut to teach people, or maybe you're involved in an organization that helps people, and you have some people under your wings that you're helping them, part of your job is to pray for them. Because praying for them basically means that you care enough about that, that you're asking Hashem for assistance to help you be successful in making them successful. That's what tefillah is all about. Tefillah is asking, it's, it's making your full hishtadlut. Making your full hishtadlut means you make your full effort. You cannot make a full effort if you don't ask for the help that you need. I mentioned last Shabbat a story about a, about a doctor who was given the emergency room one night. He was an intern and the head doctor told him that he is not going to be there. Actually, nobody's going to be there with him that night. He told him you could handle it. But if something comes up, if it gets too busy, just call this number, we'll get you help. And that night, got very busy, one bed after the other. At some point, it got overwhelming. And that night, they lost a number of patients in the emergency room just because they didn't tend to them. They took this doctor to, uh, to court. They want to put him away in prison for killing people. People go to a hospital, supposed to get service. Anyway, this person gets up in front of the judge and says, Your Honor, he says it's not fair. You can't punish me. He says, well, well, I'm only a human being. 
What was I supposed to do? At the end of the day, there were too many patients. I couldn't handle everybody. I tried my best. I'm only one person. The judge says, okay, sounds like a good, good argument. He says, before we close the case, anybody else have something to say? So somebody gets up, the head doctor gets up and says, yes, your honor. He says, I have something to say. He said, I want you to know that it's true he was alone. But I told him beforehand that if it gets very busy and you feel that you can't handle it, so make the call. If you make the call, we'll get you people to help you. So the judge calls on the doctor, the, 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 the attorney says, did you make the call? He said, I didn't make the call. So if you didn't make the call, then you're guilty. Which means it's a very simple formula in life, not just in prayer. That if you can get help and you choose not to call, then you're considered guilty for what doesn't take place or for what does take place. You have to know that part of our success in life, a very big part of it, is Hashem's assistance. Of course we have to make the effort. Of course we have to do everything we can. You cannot make a phone call and not be working. You got to do everything you can. But if you do everything you can, that's not enough. You need Hashem to help you. You take care of your children. You send them to school. You give them everything they need. You worry about them. It's not enough. There's an element that you cannot do yourself. The Kohen Gadol, as great as he is, he is teaching the Jewish people. He's a great example for the Jewish people. He brings, he does everything he can, but there's something beyond his reach. Every rabbi that teaches, every teacher that teaches could do amazing things. You could do so much with your students, but there's a point that you just can't do anymore. Everybody who's helping somebody in need, there is a limit to what you could do. Your job and my job is to take it to the limit. You got to take whatever you're doing for your children to the limit. But then at some point, you're going to max out. The way Hashem made the world basically is He gave us the ability to do things, to help, but there is going to be a level that we're going to need His help. That's the way it works in any area in life. In any area, we must do the most and then we got to make the phone call. If you don't make the phone call, there's something lacking in the effort you put in, especially when it comes to dealing with others. You're, you're, you're teaching a class of boys or a class of young ladies. You're teaching them for an entire year, maybe more, and you don't pray for them. So basically, Imagine a teacher comes into class or a rabbi comes into class and he's not prepared. He comes into class and he doesn't know what to teach. If you're not prepared, the information doesn't come out properly. You don't know what you're saying. They have great questions. You can't answer them. Everybody could tell when a teacher comes in and doesn't know what he's talking about. When you're not prepared, obviously, you're not going to do the job. And it is that way with everything. The one area that you need, just like being prepared to teach, just like giving your children all that's necessary, 
all the attention that you give them. There's one more thing that you need. Don't forget it. You need Hashem to help you. And you need to make the phone call. You can do everything right. But if you don't make the phone call, you're missing one big element of your success. So therefore, it's a tremendous, tremendous lesson. And for whom do I have to pray for? For, whom? for the people that you were given the responsibility. So my recommendation to all of us is that anybody here who is given a responsibility, you should take those people into your, into your tefillot and make sure that you pray for their success. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing your job. And the Kohen Gadol is directly being attacked by the Torah saying, if this happened to the people that were under your wings, if such a terrible thing happened, you're not praying hard enough. And because you're not praying, that's what happened. Anyway, that's one small nekuda about the, the city of refuge. I'd like to read for you a Rambam that's going to shock you. Are you ready for this Rambam? The Rambam writes in the Halachot of the Rotseah. The Rotseah is the guy who killed. Rambam has many, many chapters of Halachah on this subject. Writes the Rambam. Listen to this. We, we touched on this some weeks back. But here we're going to see it inside. And we're going to add some words that we didn't learn about then. You ready for this? Talmid Shegala. When you have a student, a student is sitting and learning in yeshiva, Talmid, he ended up going to Aremiklat. He was driving to yeshiva, he wasn't careful, he was speeding to get there, and somebody got killed, so they sent him to Aremiklat. So the famous halakhas says, says, Megalin Rabo Emo. His rabbi, the Rosh Yeshiva, they summon him to the bed deal. They tell him, Yes, what do I do? He says, Sir, you're going to have to move to Eir Miklat. He says, Eir Miklat? Sure. I didn't kill anybody. You know, you didn't kill anybody, but you still have to move. Why are you moving? Because you're Talmud. You see that guy sitting in your class, in your shiur? He says, he killed somebody. So, okay, he killed somebody. Let him go to Amy Cloud. He's going. That's why you have to go with him. What about my family? All right. You take him if you want. Or you can leave them there. It's up, it's up to you. What about my friends? What about my city? What about I, been, I was born in? It's my doubt, sir. That's what it says. Now, why in the world? Where does it say in the Torah that... The rabbi, the Rosh Shiva, should go with a student to Emiklat. Where did it say it? So actually, if you look in the entire parasha, it talks about it, it's not mentioned. Also in Devarim, it's also discussed Emiklat, not mentioned. Where does it say in the Torah that a person who goes to Emiklat, he got to send his rabbi with him? Where is that? So actually, it doesn't say it anyway. Doesn't say it. Not nowhere in the Torah does it say it. 
So why do we do it? Because the Pasuk says in Devarim, it says that when you send this person to Ir Miklat, the words of the Pasuk are Vahai. No, Vahai means, which means when you send them to Ir Miklat, make sure you give him what he needs to live. So, simply speaking, give him, give him food, give him a place to live, give him a parnasa maybe. Vahai. Meaning you can't send them to Ir Miklat with nothing. He's got to be set up so he could live. Beautiful. Comes the Rambam and says, one of those things that you must provide him is a rabbi. Baha'i has to live. Listen to these words. Says the Rambam, I know you're probably wondering, what does the rabbi have to do with living? As far as we knew, living means eating, drinking, breathing. He needs a doctor. He needs money. What does this have to do, as they say, livelihood? You ever say, has his livelihood? What do they mean when, he said, when they say, how is his livelihood? Meaning, does he have money? Does he have the ability to take care of his physical needs? So what does this have to do with the Pasuk Baha'i? Says the Rambam, I know you're probably wondering, what in the world does this halakha have to do with Baha'i? What does giving the guy life have to do with sending his rabbi with him? Now listen to these words. We should memorize these words if you can. Ready? Behayen. Ba'ale chokhmah. There are people in life who are called ba'ale chokhmah. You heard of them? Ba'ale chokhmah. What's ba'ale chokhmah? What is it? Is the owner of wisdom. How do you become the owner of wisdom? Huh? So what does it mean? Ba'alit. Meaning, is this a guy who learns? Does he mean a guy who goes to class? Ba'alit chokhmah. And those who are seeking it. Two, two attributes. Ba'alit chokhmah. Those who are the owner of wisdom and those who seek it, if they don't have learning, they will feel like death. That's what our mouth says. Now, have you ever felt pain like death? Have you ever felt pain like that? No. What is, what is it? That's a lot, I don't know what that is. I mean, we felt different pain in life. We felt pain of hunger. After Kippur, Motsai Kippur, just look how quickly the shul empties out. Nobody comes to say to the rabbi, can we speak for a couple of minutes? That's the only night of the year, right? We all Right. Usually, after Arbit, after Shahrit, after Rabbi, took a couple of minutes. Just, just a couple of minutes. Motzaeki Kibur, 
Nobody. Good morning, Eric. Nobody comes to us on Motsai Kippur to talk. Motsai Kippur, everybody is ruddy. Because they're hungry. They haven't eaten in 25 hours. Nice. People are hungry. They feel pain. When people are thirsty, they feel pain. Hashem made it an automatic that when, you, when your body is down on energy, you feel pain and you need to eat. When you're thirsty, you feel pain. You need to drink. You need to be hydrated. Your body basically forces you. Your body makes you feel pain that you need ASAP to get some liquids into your body. Hashem doesn't let it go up to your, you know, up to your lodger. When people, when people eat and drink in life, it's not usually because they want to take care of their health. Usually people eat and drink because they're hungry, because they feel pain. Just like most people go to the dentist, not because they're thinking about their hygiene, because they're either in pain or they're worried they're going to be in pain. They're not thinking, oh, you know, it's a healthy thing to do to go take care of your teeth. They don't do that. People usually don't do things because it's logical and it's right. They do it because it's, hurt, it's hurting them. So therefore, one more time, a person in life, when something is missing in his life, like food, drink, maybe a relationship that, he's, that he needs, they feel pain. But never did we hear about a guy feeling the pain like death. I don't know what that feels like. That's like a next level of pain that the person feels like Mita. Says the Rambam, that a person who is a Baal Chokhmah, a person of wisdom, and I'm going to explain what that means in a second. A person who learns, and you take away his learning, he's considered like he's dead. Meaning, he feels pain. This is not a religious thing. When we send the Rosh Hashibah, to go to Eir Miklat to learn with his Talmud. It's not a religious halakha. It's not because we want the guy to learn. If we want the guy to learn, then everybody who goes to Eir Miklat should get a rabbi to go with him. It's not so. Not everybody who goes to Eir Miklat needs to go get a rabbi to come with him. Talmud, only a person who himself learns if you're a guy who learns, then you need the rabbi to come with you. What's the difference between the guy who learns and the guy who doesn't learn? Again, what would you say makes more sense? Here's a guy who never learned in his life. He's going to Irmiklat. Here's a guy who's a Talmud. He's learning all the time. He's going to Irmiklat. Who do you think needs a Rosh Hashiva more? The guy who doesn't learn or the guy who learns? We would have said, okay, the guy who learns, let him go there, he'll figure it out. You know, he's going after all to the city of Levim. There's plenty of Tamideh Achamim there. 
figure it out. He's, he learns, he's a learner. The guy doesn't learn, who knows, he may go to Eri Klad and find a restaurant to eat in every night and find some people who are not so connected. You go to a new place, you know how it is, you go on vacation, you meet new people, you're free, you're on your own, you may go off the dinner. So if I had to give you a choice, to whom should we send the rabbi? The guy who's already learning or the guy who's not learning? Right? The guy is going to Europe. Which guy needs a rabbi? The guy who learns every day or the guy that doesn't learn? The reason why you need a rabbi when you go to Europe is very simple. You're going out of town. It's a little dangerous out there. So you need some, if you think you need Torah when you're in Brooklyn, so Kalba Homer when you're on vacation. And Kalba Homer if it's the summer. And Kalba Homer if it's in Europe. You understand? Why are you going to learn every day? So no, I got to learn. So when you go out of town, right? So make do the bit. So say, Rabbi, could you come with us? Look at all these people here. They come to learn because they know they have to learn. Not an easy world out there. Let's learn. So honestly speaking, by the way, Dave, you know, we know some people, there are some people that whenever they travel, they take their rabbi with them. Do you know that? Yes, they can afford it, obviously. There are some people in the world that they don't take, they, don't, they didn't call me yet. There are some people out there that whenever they travel on a trip, they take their rabbi with them. That's just thing. thing. If you looked at two people going to Eir Miklat, a Talmud Hakam and a guy who never learns, who do you think is in more danger that needs a rabbi? But the Torah says the guy who doesn't learn, we don't send the rabbi with him. Let him go. The guy who learns, send the rabbi with him. For what? This is not a religious halakha. This is not that we're worried about your religion, therefore we're sending you the Rosh Hashivah. That's not this halakha. I don't want anyone to make this mistake. This is not a religious halakha. We're not trying to give you Torah. Because if you were trying to give you Torah, we would give it to the other guy before you. This has nothing to do with being inspired or living a life of Torah, nothing. The Rambam is telling you this halakha has to do with your physical well-being. Because the Torah says, Vahai. Vahai means make sure this guy is able to live. Now live doesn't just mean breathing. Live means he has a normal, comfortable, happy life which includes food and shelter and whatever is needed. That's called Baha'i. Says the Rambam, if you're a person who learns, and learning is taken away from you, the pain is felt like the pain of death. You know the pain of Kippur, Mozai Kippur. You're so hungry, you gotta eat. You know that pain? That doesn't even come close to the pain that you would feel 
if you stop learning. Now, if you never felt any pain in your life when you weren't learning, that's, in a, that's a, a yardstick of where you are in the world of Hukmah. Let me tell you about one of the greatest miracles Hashem did in life. What the Rambam is telling you is that there is no greater hunger in life than the hunger for wisdom. One more time. What the Rambam is saying in this halakha is there is no greater hunger in life than the hunger of wisdom. Look at the way Hashem made the world. When you need something and you don't have it, you feel pain. But the more essential the item is, the more pain you feel. For example, you need money. Money is important. You don't have a lot of money, so you feel a little pain. That's so much pain, hopefully. But at the end of the day, you have enough to live, but you don't have more, so you feel a little pain, it bothers you. When you're lacking a lot of money, it bothers you. That's so essential. It shouldn't be that essential. It shouldn't be like when you're lacking food. If God forbid a person is lacking food, we don't know what that means. We only can talk about a fast. But we can't talk about a person who has no food in his refrigerator, has no food in his supermarket, and has nothing to eat. Imagine, God forbid, there would be a siege around Deal, New Jersey. And no trucks come in, no, nothing comes from anywhere else. It's only a matter of time that there's no food. What would a person do in that situation? That's happening as we speak in many places around the world where people don't have what to eat. Even wealthy people, situation is such they can't eat, they have no food. That's a tremendous pain. When you can't eat, you feel so much pain in your physical well-being. More than if you didn't have money. Money, you feel pain. But if you have no food, you feel tremendous amount of pain. More than lacking money. And if you're lacking liquids, and it's hot, and you're dehydrated, you feel tremendous amount of pain that you need to get water in your system. You feel a tremendous hunger. If a person is exhausted, you've been exhausted in your life, exhausted. You can't move from exhaustion. The pain is unbearable. You just gotta drop down and fall asleep. You can't do it. One of the biggest pains they cause people in prison, if they want to make them suffer, is they keep them up. They keep them up and they don't give them the ability to sleep. It's a tremendous pain when you can't sleep because your body desperately needs it. Whenever your body desperately needs something, Hashem created a pain to go along. Let me explain to you something. I said this once to you before. When a person feels hungry on Yom Kippur and Mutzahel Yom Kippur, in reality, there's nothing wrong with his body. A person could go a number of days, seven days he can go, without eating, he'll still be alive. There's enough fuel 
in the tank to keep him going. Let's imagine your car. When your car has full or your car is almost on empty, it's almost by the E, it drives the same. The car doesn't feel a difference. If you didn't see that indicator, you would not know the difference. Thank God for the indicator, because otherwise you'd be driving one day and everything would stop dead. When a person is hungry after three, four hours, after a day of not eating, it's not because his body necessarily is missing energy. It's not. But Hashem made a physical reality that when you need something that's essential, you're going to feel pain so that it will force you to put more of it into your body. Hashem doesn't want you to start eating when you're almost dead because you forgot to eat. So He forces your hand to eat. He forces you to drink. You feel so dry. You feel like you're going to die if you don't drink. Really, you can keep going for a few days more. But Hashem makes it automatic. When you meet, when you need something important, you feel the pain of not having it. It forces you. The same way when your tooth is hurting, it forces you to go to the doctor. It forces you to sleep. By the way, when a person is tired at night, at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you're tired. You need to go to sleep. Your body's not on empty. Your body has enough energy to keep going. But Hashem makes your body feel so much pain that He forces you to lay down and go to sleep. Think about this. Hashem in light, the more essential something is to our physical well-being, is a rule. The more essential, the more we're going to be forced to take care of that issue. How does Hashem force us? What does He do? He forces us through pain. The pain of hunger, the pain of thirst, the pain of being tired, the pain of the tooth, the pain. If a person did not feel pain in his tooth, he would never go. Even if his teeth would be decaying, he wouldn't go. Even logically speaking, he knows he's got to take care of them. He wouldn't go. Hashem forces it. You have to go because of the pain. I think doctors know that very well. People wait till the last second. Doctor says, well, why don't you come now? It's unbearable now. But you could have come before. You had signs before. Why don't you come before? Because that's the way humans are. Sometimes they need to be forced. Hashem forces our hand when we need something. He forces it through something called pain. So the next time you feel starving, it's only four hours since the last time you ate, and you're starving, you should know that's Hashem talking to you. It's Hashem taking care of you. It's Hashem basically giving you pain so that you can take care of your physical well-being. This system works in everything in life except the most important one. Do you know what's more necessary in life than anything? And we've mentioned this before a number of times. I'll repeat it to you again. 
There is nothing in this world for your physical, mental, and spiritual well-being than chokhmah, than wisdom. Wisdom, with wisdom, you have everything. Without wisdom, you have nothing. A person was given every gift in life. He was given parents. He was given a family. He was given health. He was given wealth. He was given everything. But if he lacks wisdom, he could take all of those things and they could become his curse. The very gift God gives you becomes your curse. If you're lacking wisdom, if you don't have chokhmah, wisdom means that you know what to do in every given situation. If you have wisdom, says the Gemara, says Hazal, if you have wisdom, even if you have nothing, wisdom can give you the ability to make something from nothing. And if you don't have wisdom, even if you have everything, you'll figure out how to make nothing out of everything. Have you ever seen a guy, you looked at him and said, this guy's got it all, but he's got nothing. He's got a beautiful stage that God gave him, but he's destructive in each one. He destroyed the parents that God gave him. He destroyed the relationship with them. His wife and him don't get along. His children he's having issues with. His partners in the business that he's successful in. Most people, when they find in business, it's when they're successful. It's when they're making money. If the business is not making too much, they don't usually fight. But when it's a lot of money and they start seeing a lot of success, oh, now comes fighting. When does jealousy come with brothers and their wives? Not when they're living simple lives. Nobody gets jealous of his brother. But when they start having money, they have more money, now they have jealousy. Now they have problems. Think about how much success has caused pain in people's life. I told you once that I, there is not Hashem, I'm gonna, I started the project, but I have too many projects. But I will get back to it, there is not Hashem. I already have the first chapter. I'm gonna write a, the failure of success, which means, very simple, that success in life has brought on the biggest failures of life. The more success you have, the bigger failure you become. That's a reality. When God doesn't give you too much success, your failure is very limited. You don't have that much to fail. You basically live a more simple life. You don't have the extravagance, but you don't have the problems either. The more success God gives you, the more failure you are in risk of getting. You should know that. And my book, Be'ezrat Hashem, will be giving many examples of personalities in history who had everything that you could ever pray for and more and failed miserably in their lives. One after the other. Without wisdom, without chokhmah, your blessings turn into a curse. Can I share with you a pasuk to back this up? Are you ready for this pasuk? You're going to love this pasuk. 
It's a pasuk at the end of Sefer Devarim. It's a parasha that talks about different curses that will come upon people when they don't when they don't act the way they're supposed to. Listen to this curse. Are you ready? The pasuk says. And you will be a slave to your enemy. Sounds like you have enemies and you're going to be their slave. Which enemy? The enemy that Hashem sends them to you, but Bach means in you. You know what this pasuk is referring to? The answer, who's the enemy in you? You're your worst enemy, you. Your jealousy, your dissatisfaction, your habits. The biggest enemy in your life, says the Allah, is the guy sitting inside of you. It's not your wife, it's not your children, it's not your partner. It's not the guy in shul. Your biggest enemy is sitting inside of you. Your bad habits, your bad thoughts. Oh, you're going to serve your enemy. Which enemy? The enemy that Hashem sent in you. Each person has an internal enemy. How many times, maybe it's hard to see our own enemies. For us to see our enemies, hard. But how many times have you seen people self-destruct as you're watching them? You don't have to be so smart. You see people self-destruct. Either they're doing the wrong things, they're either drinking the wrong things, smoking the wrong things, saying the wrong things, being in the wrong places, irresponsible, not working. How many times have you seen someone in front of your face that you say to the guy, you know you're your worst enemy? You! That's called the enemy within. Says Hashem, one of the big curses in life is that you will be a slave to your enemy that's inside of you. Listen to these words. Bera'av, which means your enemy inside of you can cause you to be starving. Yes. There are people out there who are starving, literally, they don't have food, because of themselves. Because they don't work hard. They don't want to take on jobs that doesn't connect to them. They end up starving because of lack of responsibility. There are people like that. Hashem says, your enemy within could actually make you starve physically. Upsamat. And he can make you thirsty too. The word Arom means Arom means Arom. Can't afford clothing. Don't think this is spa. You have the drug addict on the corner. He needs to beg for a dollar to eat. He needs a drink. Please, could you give me a drink? This clothing is from 15 years ago. He's still wearing them. He smells. He reeks. This is not, this is not bar. A person's inner enemy can make you starving, thirsty, and without clothing. 
That's how far it can get. And listen to this. What else can the enemy from within do to you? Are you ready for this? When you become a servant of your inner enemy, he says, Hoser call means, and you're going to lack everything. Which means, if you're hungry, you don't like everything. You're lacking food. If you're thirsty, you don't like everything. You're lacking water. If you're lacking clothing, it's not everything, it's clothing. But then says the Torah, you can get to a level where you're lacking everything. Comes the Midrash and says, what does it mean to lack everything? My Hoser Kol. Who is this guy? Unimaginable. Who is this? Says, Hazal Kol Shenital Haddaat Mehim. Or, Shiyu Haserim Betalmud Torah. Basically, somebody who has no wisdom. No wisdom is called Hoser Kol. You're missing everything. If you're not learning, you're missing everything. I mean, let me tell you a miracle that Hashem makes. I gave you the rule before, didn't I? When you lack something, you feel pain. It happens in every area of life. Anytime you're missing something, you feel pain. You're missing a relationship, you feel pain. You're missing food, you feel pain. But one of the great miracles in life is that when you're feeling, when you're, when you're lacking wisdom and you should feel like you're dead, you should feel mitah. That's how much pain you should feel. The great miracle is, Hashem says, I'm going to give you Novocaine. I'm going to numb you and you're not going to feel the pain. You can walk around a hundred years in your life and not learn and not feel even a little bit missing. You will not feel the pain. You go five hours without eating, you feel the pain. You go a hundred years without learning, you don't feel a thing. The guy's walking in the street outside, doesn't learn, hasn't opened the book in 50 years, doesn't feel a thing, doesn't feel he needs anything. I don't need that. I don't feel the pain. You should know that the pain in reality is like death in the physical sense. But Hashem numbs you. You know why He numbs you? Why does He numb you? Otherwise there's no free choice. If Hashem made the pain felt by every person, if you're not learning and you feel the pain, every room will be full of people learning. Because you feel it the same way every restaurant. Next time you go to a restaurant, and you see it's full of people eating, just know if Hashem took away the Novocaine, if He took away the numb of the wisdom, every bed Midrash would be full of people learning. Instead of people eating in the house, you'd be people learning. But then there'd be no free choice. So Hashem numbs our pain and we don't feel it. Now we feel the consequences of it. Yes, that's for sure. Without wisdom, you have a lot of bad consequences, but you'll never connect it. There'll always be another reason. The reason why my marriage isn't good is because of her. 
Because, you know why I'm not happy? Because of money. I don't have money, that's why I'm not happy. There's always another reason that you could blame it on. You'll feel the consequences, but you'll never feel the pain of lacking wisdom. Therefore, a person who, who goes to Ir Miklat, if you go to Ir Miklat and you never learned, they don't have to send a rabbi with you. Because you're living fine. There's no pain. But you know who feels the pain of not learning? A guy who already is learning. A person who is learning. He already made the right choice. He is learning. And he not only is he learning, he becomes a Baal Chokhmah. The word Baal Chokhmah means the learning is from inside of him. The learning is not because he goes to a class. The learning is part of his makeup. He has 10 minutes. So let me read a story about somebody. He has 15 minutes. Let me open that book. When you are hungry, even the smallest food is filling. When you're hungry for wisdom, even three minutes is worth it. Let me put in my car classes that when I walk in, I get five minutes on my way to shul. I get 15 minutes. I have 15 minutes. It's when you are hungry for wisdom, every piece of wisdom is worthwhile. Who is the one that feels nita? Who, is the, who feels the pain of lack of wisdom? Everybody should. But Hashem numbs you so you can have free choice. But the people who made the right choice and started to learn, that person, if you took away his learning, he feels a near-death experience. He needs his rabbi to go with him. Hashem literally numbs us just to give us free choice. But the reality is like the Rambam says, the Rambam says, those who have wisdom and understand it, understand what learning and wisdom does to a person, without it they feel like they're dead. That is a tremendous, tremendous Rambam to take home with us. We have no idea how much learning can make a difference in our lives. Learning without it is called Hoser Kol. You're missing everything. And not only learning, learning with the right person. Like Jack says, or I mean, there are people in Aim Riklat they can learn with. Yeah, but not like his rabbi. His rabbi knows him better. He teaches him better. He needs learning on the highest level. This is a tremendous idea that everybody needs to not only take home, but take home to their children. The nature of Hafma is that it will make you believe there's nothing missing. But once you start attaching to it, if you told my father, I love a shalom, if you took away the book from my father, he would feel like he's dying. That's what he feel like. It's, it's like taking away mitah. That's what a person feels like. A person, Be'ezrat Hashem, I'll just end off. I took way too long today. I'll just end off by telling you. Trust Shlomo Miller. Take his words. He says in Kohelet, And wisdom, Gives life to the owner. There's nothing greater you could do for your life and your children's life than to have learning. My recommendation to all of you is get a library in your house and fill it up with books. All types of books. Books that you could understand and maybe some you don't understand. Fill it up with books. 
Take five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you have free, besides your learning in shul. Be a person who's mevakesh hofman. Go out and buy a library for your home and fill it up. Make your car a bet midrash. Make sure you have a class on whenever you go in. Whenever you have opportunities, grab it and there's that Hashem, you'll see all the tremendous benefits that wisdom will bring to every part of your life. Have a good day, gentlemen.